Hello team and welcome to episode 429 of the Simply Fit podcast. In today's episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Michelle Jorgensen. Michelle is an internationally acclaimed author, speaker, biologic and holistic dentist and health and wellness provider. After practicing traditional dentistry for 10 years, Michelle became unexpectedly sick to the point where she was contemplating retirement from the industry. In search of what was leading her to feel so unwell, she discovered that she had mercury poisoning from drilling out mercury fillings for her patients. This discovery completely transformed how Michelle approached her work and has not only impacted her work, but has brought the rest of the dental industry into question. This episode was a fascinating one for me personally, and I trust you're gonna take away a lot. In this episode, you can expect to learn why traditional dentistry could be the cause of diseases and illnesses later in your life, what the governing body of the dental industry is hiding that you absolutely need to know, along with the most optimal way to look after your dental hygiene. So without further ado, Dr. Michelle Georgensen. Michelle Georgensen. Welcome to the show. How are you today? Great. Thank you. I'm super excited to have you here and dive into our topic of conversation. Just as I was saying to you off air, it's not a topic we've dived into whatsoever. So I'm sure the listeners are going to take away a lot as well today. So before we do dive into the topic of conversation, can you give us a bit of context about who you are, what it is that you do? Yeah, you know, if it's okay, if I'm just going to share my story, because I think it really helps to understand where I'm coming from and where I'm at today. So I'm a dentist and I've come from a dental family. My father's a dentist. I have three brothers who are dentists. And I just thought that the trajectory of their career would be the same as mine. You know, my father literally is still practicing in his 70s and uh, he loves what he does. And I was loving what I was doing as well. But I started to get really sick. And, you know, you never think of your profession as potentially the source of that. So the first problem was I had gut issues. And honestly, who doesn't have gut issues, it seems like nowadays. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I did everything that people normally do. I changed our diet. We changed the way we were eating. I was working on a lot of things and it helped some, but it didn't help everything. So I really knew that there was something bigger wrong. So I started going to doctors and having tests and x-rays and MRIs and Nothing was really coming up. And my biggest symptoms were I had really bad just memory issues. And I've always had mm. an excellent memory. Like that's one of been one of my strengths is that, you know, I could remember things for a long time. And <laughs> I literally couldn't remember a patient's name from room to room. And my team, I mean, everybody knew something was really drastically wrong because wow. this was not me. And then the other big one that was really impacting my work was that I had such bad numbness in my hands. I actually wasn't able to hold instruments anymore and do the job of a dentist. Wow. So it was getting really serious. And I was, you know, going to chiropractors and physical therapists two and three times a day. And or not a day, that would be a lot. <laughs> two or three times <laughs> a week. And uh, it wasn't doing the trick. So I actually had my practice for sale. I didn't know what I was going to do. Nobody could give me any answers. And I was looking into maybe teaching nutrition or bringing that into dental care. I I just didn't even know what direction to go. And so I was talking to another practitioner who had done that and had brought nutrition into his practice. And he finally just said, have you looked into mercury poisoning at all as a potential issue? He said, you sound so much like me. And I just said, well, I, I don't have any mercury fillings. Like I knew that the fillings that are silver in the mouth had mercury, but I don't have any. Mm-hmm. And I said, I, I don't have any fillings. I don't know what that would be from. And he said, oh, no, it's not the fillings you have. It's the fillings you've been drilling out for the last decade 
with no protection at all. Wow. Because I was a cosmetic dentist. So all of those fillings, like people don't like the way they look. So they'd come and they'd say, hey, take all these black fillings out of my mouth. Great. We'll drill them out. No problem. And I never knew that when drilling those fillings, what I was doing was releasing mercury vapor. And that mm. mercury vapor was going up, which where is my head? Right above all of that. And so I was literally just inundated with mercury. I didn't know if this was the thing or not, but I thought, well, it's worth finding out. So I got tested and that's what it was. Mercury poisoning off the charts, mercury toxicity. So I thought, well, what do you know? Dentistry doesn't talk about this. I had no idea this could even be an issue. No. And so I had to find out, you know, the doctor basically said, okay, we found it. Now you can't keep being a dentist if you're going to do this the same way, or you have to figure out, is there a way to do this in a different way? So you're not going to get the mercury, you know, in your own system. So I had to find a way and there actually was, there was an organization that has an entire protocol for how to remove it without getting it in the patient or oh, wow. the doctor. Didn't even know it existed. Had never heard of it before. <sighs> so started implementing all of those things in practice and patients started paying attention because it looks a little different when the doctor comes in with a mercury, you know, vapor respirator mask on instead of the normal mask. For sure. And, you know, covering everything head to toe. And you know, it was very different. And so I'd start to explain to patients, this is why we're doing it for me, but also for you now, because I'm learning. And they started directing me to doctors saying, well, my doctor's kind of interested in this, you know, do you mind if I send them your way? And doctors started coming. And interestingly, they started asking me other questions. Do you do ozone? What are your thoughts about root canals? Do you do fluoride? What do you, you know, and they knew a lot more than I did. They knew a lot more than me entrenched in the dental profession knew about dentistry. And what I realized is there was so much going on involving the mouth and overall health that I had no clue about, that I had not been taught about. And I was up on everything in my profession and I had never heard this before. So I started changing everything. And now I have a multi-specialty practice. We see patients from all over the world where we really address overall chronic health conditions through the window of the mouth and how this is connected and never knew any of this existed before. So very much different trajectory, different path than I would have anticipated, but it was all because I had to find some answers for myself. Which is amazing, right? I mean, at that moment, it looked like you were about to sell your practice and that wasn't going to be the trajectory that you're planning on or probably even wanted to go on. But isn't it amazing how sometimes our most challenging moments can turn out to be our biggest triumphs and then end up being our life's work. So it's amazing from that perspective. And when was that, if you don't mind me asking? It was about 10 years ago. Okay, so we're now 10 years later, a decade in. How much of the dental industry knows about this compared, if you had to put it in a percentage, to when you first discovered it compared to now? What's the progress been like? Uh, almost none. Wow. <laughs> Sadly, almost none. And really, honestly, the awareness of it is because of people like me who get the word out, but typically were perceived as crazy. Mm. You know, they just say, oh, yeah, those are just those people. They're just crazy. And I always challenge that and say, if you think that, talk to me, come to my practice, come see what I do. And, you know, there's a term holistic dentistry that I actually don't like. And the reason I don't like that term is because there's a little bit of a misnomer when you say holistic. I mean, think about it. When you say holistic, what do you think of? You think of herbs, you think of, yeah, you know, tie-dye, yeah. you think of, you know, peas, you know, that hippies, all that kind of stuff. And that's not my practice at all. You know, my practice is literally, we have to be ahead of everyone else uh. as far as science and research and backing up everything we do with 
claim, you know, not just with claims, but actual, no, look at the evidence here. And we're ahead of everyone. We are more technologically advanced than other dental offices. We have all the tools, all the tricks, everything. I'm not just a hippie that has beads hanging in the door and incense burning <laughs> in every room, you know, <laughs> that's not who I am. So I actually like to call it health-based for that reason, because I don't want people just to assume I'm just some crazy lady who, you know, is going to like say some gibberish and everything's going to go away. No, 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 no. Mm -hmm. That's not what we do. We actually have proof showing how much what goes on in your mouth affects you and we help you with those things that's amazing and obviously mercury is one of those big ones that impacted you and i'm sure impacted a lot of your patients as well what are some of the other things that maybe were just as undiscovered as the mercury and that you brought to the light and that you practice within your specific practice right now and hopefully are bringing the light to the dental industry as well what are the more surprising ones that you didn't realize prior to this so i call them the big three uh. so mercury is one of them and it's interesting because the whole mercury talk inside of dentistry. So in dental school, I'll give you the whole mercury talk that I got. <laughs> it was that, yes, those fillings have mercury in them because we had to take dental materials. We knew what they were made of. And I was placing these mercury fillings in dental school. So I was trained on how to do this. And yes, they are 50% mercury. They were then. They are still today. And mm. they're still placed in the United States today. So these fillings still have mercury. But what we were told is once it hardens into the filling that they're inert and that they cannot be they are not released this isn't true i'll i can show you 50 articles that show it's not true uh -huh. but this is what i was told that it's not released and if you talk about it you will lose your license wow because there was a very famous dentist named hal huggins that was practiced in colorado and he was the first to really kind of the whistleblower he lost his license and he never regained his license ever practicing no way so they basically said it's not worth talking about do not go there so that's the mercury talk you got. You get a dental school and a lot of people in dentistry still, that's that's all they know. It's not that they don't want to know more. You know, they, they just haven't really looked into more, but that's all they know. The second big one is hidden infections. So this is a biggie because it is root canals and we can talk further. If you want to go into root canals, we will in a minute, but anyway, root canals and why they're an issue. And I don't know what the number is worldwide, but there are 35 million root canals done in the U S per year. Wow. It's a lot of root canals. That's 35 million teeth that potentially have these issues every single year just in this country alone, let alone other countries. So root canals are a biggie where you had teeth removed. And most people think, oh, I haven't ever had a tooth out. You probably have if you had your wisdom teeth out. You've had teeth out. So the most common place that infection hides is where wisdom teeth were removed. So that's the big number two. So big number one is mercury or metals. Not just mercury. There's other metals in mm -hmm. dentistry. Big number two is hidden infections. The third biggest one that I was really surprised about was airway. So there's a huge epidemic in our world and it's sleep deficiency. Mm. People that aren't able to sleep. And what does that do to overall health? It's absolutely astronomical, the cost that it has on healthcare. So why does the dentist talk about this? Because a lot of times it's structural. The structural issues caused by what's happening in the mouth. And so this is actually where it starts. This is where sleep begins is here. If you can't get enough air, you can't sleep. And so those are the big three that I talk about every single day. And usually I see people that aren't well and they've struggled to get well and they haven't found answers and they've been everywhere. And, you know, I'm like the last on their list and they come in and I'm like, you're either one of the big three or all the big three, you know, yep. all these things, there's something going on in your head. Let's look at the CT scan together. We figure it out and we get to root cause. 
And do you think so many of us are struggling with our dental health because of it begins at the very top, right? If the people that we're going to see, ultimately the dental industry is like going to see doctors and, you know, in some way we could probably do more to look after our teeth, look after our dental hygiene. Same goes for our health as well. But if when we do decide to go reach out or even if we've been treated on since we've been very, very young, we've been heading in a direction that's not optimal or healthy for us whatsoever, I'm just wondering how we can take personal responsibility for that. And does that problem come from the fact that those who are in charge ultimately of our dental hygiene are not even informed in the way that they should be yet. 100%. And it's frustrating because when I was trying to find answers to all these questions myself, there are no places that you just go. You know, there's not some health-based dental school that you go learn from. It doesn't exist. I have created a lot of these things for professionals and I've tried to, you know, spread the word, but it's not something that's easy. So it's not that these are things that the profession is trying to hide or not, you know, it's, it's not yeah. one of those expose things like, Oh, look at the, you know, they're, they're hiding all of this from us. No, they simply don't know. They simply don't know. There's not a lot of good information out there on what's really going on. There is good information. There is good research, but it's just not disseminated to the profession very well. So what I recommend for people is exactly what we're doing right now. You know, you're sharing with those that are listening here and all of those people, all of you that are listening now are going to be able to take this information and say, I just learned something yep. on this podcast. Now I'm going to go and find a dentist that can do what I just learned. And I've actually created a directory on my website online as well. That's dentists that I have trained or vetted myself. So I know that they are ones that offer these sorts of things. So I'm trying to help find those places. But that's really, I think, the best way to learn this is just simply to personally figure this out mm -hmm. and then advocate for yourself. And that's been my mission is basically I kind of consider myself the people's dentist. You know, <laughs> I, I want to teach all of you what you should be looking for so that you can confidently advocate for yourself and look for the right thing for yourself. Yeah. And do you find that it varies from country to country? I find when it comes to different industries that we go into, sometimes when we go to the States or the UK, for example, it's done in one way. And then we go to the far west or east of Europe and for some reason they're doing things in this super holistic amazing ways is it also a cultural thing as well there's some countries that are maybe progressing better than others or you do you find that kind of the countries all globally are kind of on the same level no definitely European countries are very much ahead of the US oh. and it's sad that's where I've gone to train I go to Switzerland to do a lot of my training because they're probably a decade ahead and I don't know why that is I don't know why that is if it's just everyone's set in our ways and we just aren't willing to be open to different ideas and different things. I don't know. But yeah, definitely the United States is for sure behind other European countries. Mm. What about some other countries? Just if any, we have a global audience. I'm just wondering if people are listening right now and thinking, okay, am I in one of those countries that may be falling behind? What are some of the countries, would you say, have heavily progressed when it comes to the dental industry and others that are still quite behind? So it's interesting because... I think falls a lot the same with other medicine. There's Eastern philosophy, there's Western philosophy. Mm -hmm. So if you go to Eastern countries, so a lot of the Asian countries, they have a different philosophy about care. And it's going to be more open-minded. It's going to involve a lot more methodologies and sure. things that are going to support health. So just in general, what I find is they're more open-minded. They're more open to some of these methodologies. However, they may not have access to all the technology necessarily, you know, that I have or that I utilize. So what I find is that a lot of times different countries have different aspects of this. 
you know, they may be stronger in certain things. Like if I were to go to an Asian country, I think that I'll find practitioners that are probably much more versed in medicines, herbal medicine, homeopathic medicine, yeah, those sure. kinds of things that are going to be utilized in therapies. However, they may not be as well versed in, let's say, zirconia dental implants as if I go to Switzerland and Germany. You know, so I think that really this is a global challenge that we all need uh, to learn from one another and work to educate one another on what does real health-based dentistry look like? What does that look like? Well, we need to bring all those things together. And that's what we try to do in our practice. In my practice is we bring all those herbal and homeopathic remedies, nutrition therapies, as well as the state-of-the-art you know, technology when it comes to dental implantation and dental restorative materials and, you know, tooth replacement things and bring them all together in a comprehensive approach. Yeah, I love that. Taking the best of every single world and just trying to combine it into an integrative approach, which I think is probably the answer to just about everything, whether it be dental hygiene or any industry, you know, whether it comes to nutrition, exercise, it usually Agreed. tends to be the way, right? So with that being said, let's go back to the big three. They're the ones that we are really wanting to focus on and get some solutions for as well. So let's get started with the mercury and metals. Obviously, many of us are probably listening right now with fillings that contain mercury. And it's interesting because it kind of makes sense to me from a logical perspective. What happens to when you put metals in a warm and a moist environment? Nearly all metals will seep out something, right? So it's bizarre to me that, as you mentioned, once yep. they're placed in, they're just, you know, they magically just turn off and nothing ever happens to them. So that's, you know, a little <laughs> bit of logic sometimes goes a long way as well. But talk to me about what we can do if we are someone right now who's had one of those feelings in the past. And what can we do maybe with our children as well? Because I know that my teeth got tended to a lot more as a child than they have done as an adult. Maybe that's probably not the best way, but I know that's my reality. So talk to us a little bit more about the first on the list of the big three. Yep. So I really like that. It's quite perceptive, actually, that uh, metals in a wet environment, it's called corrosion, right? Mm. So you put some metal in water and what is it going to do? It's going to corrode. Well, what is corrosion? It's just simply pulling those metals out of the metallic item and pulling it into solution into the water that also changes some of those metals when it changes them into oxides and different things when they're wet so that's exactly what happens with um, metals in the mouth it starts to corrode they start to corrode and they start to pull away from the teeth so it causes gaps underneath the filling uh. and if there's a gap underneath the filling it's large enough for a bacteria to get under but it's not large enough for your toothbrush bristle to get under so it creates a lot of tooth decay underneath that filling. That's the dental issues. And honestly, any dentist that you talk to will agree with me on that. But sure. that's a true statement. But these fillings age. They just age. And they age poorly and they start to corrode. And now all of a sudden you have a leaking filling with new decay. Mm -hmm. That's a great reason to get a filling out, if nothing else. That's a great really reason to get a filling out. But I also know, and there's research that shows, that there is a low level of mercury that is released for those fillings 24-7. So you are getting some micrograms of mercury every single day into the system, and the large majority of it is depositing into your tissues. So what it's doing is it's increasing your mercury load. What do you do about it? Well, the answer is get those fillings out. But here's my caveat. I don't believe you should ever get them out if you're going to do them unsafely. What does mm. unsafely mean? Exactly. I was doing it for a decade <laughs> for 10 years it's you open your mouth we drill it out it goes everywhere you're swallowing chunks you're breathing vapors like you know just leave them in if you're going to do that because now instead of micrograms that you're getting every day you're getting massive amounts of mercury into your system so leave them in if you're not going to do it safely but if you can find a dentist that can do it safely please do so so what does that look like 
they're going to use some extra precautions. So they'll use a special, what's called a rubber dam that goes over the tooth and it holds the metals in this dam so that they don't go down your throat. Because I mean, I've removed plenty of mercury fillings in my day and people have swallowed big old chunks of fillings. So you don't want to be swallowing that stuff. You use a dam so it keeps it in. You use two or three vacuums. So a great big one right over the tooth, a smaller one under the dam, and then a giant one at the chin. Mm. The giant one is going to pull all those vapors off while we're removing it. We also like to cover the face. You can see through it. We make sure you can see, but you cover the face. You have an oxygen mask on your nose, and we cover your skin because the skin is the largest uptake organ in your body. Mm-hmm. So if we just release all that stuff and it gets all over your skin and your face, it's just going right back into you. So again, if you're going to remove them, remove them safely. Also make sure that your elimination organs are moving. So I usually recommend that someone work with a functional medicine practitioner or us. We do a metal detox as well, but we make sure things are moving before we remove it because you're always going to get a little bit, no matter how safe yeah. we are, but I want your body to be able to, to dump it. I like to joke that mercury just moves to a new neighborhood. It's living in this neighborhood right now, but then when we remove it, it's just going to move to a new neighborhood. Maybe this one up here, maybe down in your kidneys. You know, it's going to find a new place that it's really loving to live. So it's best. You need to make sure that it doesn't just move to a new neighborhood when you remove them. So that's the big deal on mercury. And what are the symptoms? You know, people often wonder, well, what are the symptoms, you know, that could be happening here? Mercury is a neurotoxin. It's non-radioactive, the most toxic, basically non-radioactive element on the planet is mercury. In fact... Somebody just told me this was a crazy story. He said that last month, their neighbor had some old thermometers or something, which I'm thinking, I don't know why you would have them. In their garage, they fell and they broke. They had to call a hazmat team and they were moved out of their home for a month while they cleared up that toxic waste. Wow. But yet we walk around with them in our mouths, releasing mercury every single day, and nobody says a word about it. She was just blown away. She was like, she was there actually to have some mercury fillings removed. And she said, this is crazy. Like, why would my neighbor have been out of their house for a month for this? Yeah. And nobody talks to me about all of this in my mouth. I don't really know. But it is very toxic. And the concern with mercury is it will affect all your nerves, neurology. So that's brain, brain fog. How many people do you know they are like, brain i just brain fire Almost everyone right <laughs> everybody exactly nerves so numbness so my hands all of a sudden make a lot of sense because it's a neurotoxin a lot of times numbness in the feet those kinds of things are going to relate to mercury a lot of gut issues a lot of gut absorption digestion problems are going to relate to mercury as well so if you have those things and you have fillings in your head go find someone that can remove them safely yeah that's huge and i think that it's amazing that sometimes we think that a digestive issue might be down to the food that we're consuming x y or z and it might be an aspect of it but isn't it bizarre to think that it's something that was very innocently done and for the best interest of your health as well right we don't get fillings for fun no one ever signed up to go see you or anyone else in a dentist (laughs) and just like yeah i fancy getting a filling today right exactly so we do it for the best interest of our teeth and our dental hygiene then it ends up having that knock-on effect and i assume this is very obvious but i want people to be aware of this as well i'm assuming that having one mercury filling versus many like you know up to maybe i don't know how what the most amount of fillings someone can have but i know people have numerous fillings so i'm assuming it's even worse for those who have got many many fillings in their mouths yep it's cumulative just every single filling releases mercury. So if you have 10 versus one, you're going to get more mercury released. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Here, there is an organization called the IAOMT, and I can send this to you. You can put it in show notes, but the IAOMT.org, they have a directory online on their site, and it's international. 
and they are dentists that have been trained in. It's called the Smart Mercury Removal Technique, uh. and it's all of these steps. So you can go there and find dentists that have actually been trained in this methodology. I also have a dentist finder on my website, which is livingwellwithdrmichelle.com. Again, we'll give this all to you. My dentist finder is also a dentist that I vetted for this, as well as the other big two ones. It's really important that you find somebody that appreciates and understands this and can help you with it because you don't want them in, you want them safely out. Absolutely. And with that being said, I am imagining that someone is going to go tell their very traditional and resistant grandmother or, you know, mother-in-law or whatever it might be, or father-in-law, even probably even worse <laughs> on the male side, to be completely honest. <laughs> And they're going and we're going to be maybe the caring grandchild or son or cousin or uncle, whatever it might be, who yep. is going to try and protect them. They might be resistant to getting them out. Is there anything that we can do if they're super resistant? They're like, no, we don't want to go to a dentist. You know, this is all blah, blah, blah. They're stuck in their ways, et cetera. But we want to look after their health. Is there anything we can do maybe through diet, through a different dental? I mean, we can go through the optimal way of taking care of our teeth in just a moment. But is there anything we can do to counteract the the impact of the mercury other than get them removed of course for those who maybe are trying to encourage their parents or whatever who aren't willing to get them removed you know the biggest thing is just being able to detox so it's going to be all the detox pathways and there are things that will help so there's something called a chelator and a chelator basically just means it's going to grab so it's going to grab the mercury and it's going to escort it out of the body so two really simple chelators are chlorella People, a lot of people have heard of chlorella before and cilantro. Oh, wow. So add some cilantro to your food. Nobody ever complains about that. No. <laughs> well, some people do that don't like cilantro, but <laughs> most everybody can do that. <laughs> so those are two very easy chelators. There's a few others, fruit, pectin. So like the things that make jam jammy, you know, that <laughs> make jam thick, that's pectin. And so fruits that have pectin, the apples, peaches, apricots, those kinds of things also are good at escorting mercury out of the system so doing a little research on saying okay how can i keep detox working and what helps mercury leave so if you're not going to remove them here at least help them leave once they're released from there mm -hmm. not just moving to a different neighborhood but leaving town altogether right exactly getting them shipped out entirely <laughs> exactly perfect so that covers mercury's and metals maybe not as comprehensively but to cover as much as possible i think it covers it in a good way right. so going on to the second one which is hidden infections what can we do about those so let's start first what are they where are they found uh. so the big one is root canals um, root canal, you know, I am never one that says that there's some big conspiracy that everybody's just hiding all this information. Um, root canals were done for a good reason. I mean, having a tooth pulled is a drag for the dentist and for the person who's having it pulled. Nobody wants you to lose a tooth and you especially because it affects your chewing. It affects, you know, the way your smile looks. It affects a lot of things. Nobody wants to lose a tooth. And a root canal was really a pretty amazing invention, honestly. They figured out that they could clean out the nerve inside of a tooth, clean out the blood vessels inside of the tooth, pack it full with a plastic-like material, and the tooth could stay. The tooth could stay, it could continue chewing, it could continue smiling. I mean, what a great thing. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, there is something that we kind of overlooked in this process. Inside of a tooth, there's a main canal. That's why it's called a root canal. There's a canal inside of the root that has the blood vessels and the nerve tissue. Now, that's the main canal. But it's just like any other river or anything anywhere where things flow. There's the main one, and then there's little tributaries, little side channels that go off of that main canal. And any dentist will agree with you on this. This is basic dental anatomy. There's little tubules. They're called tubules that okay. go off of that main canal. 
The problem with them is they are too little to clean or to fill. So when you're cleaning out a root canal, you clean out the nerve and the blood vessel tissue in the main canal, but you can't get into all those little tubules. And so there's nerve tissue and blood vessel tissue that's left in those. Well, you've cut off the blood supply when you do root canal. You've cut off the blood supply to the tooth. So all of that tissue that's still left in those little tubes stays there and dies. Mm. Well, this is like a dead organ. This is a dead organ. So one of my favorite examples is if your gallbladder were having real issues and somebody said, oh, let's take, you know, we need to remove your gallbladder. So they took it out, cleaned out the inside, shoved it, stuffed it full of plastic and shoved it back in and said, good luck with that. It's dead, but I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> you know, but we think that that was normal, you know? We probably wouldn't think that that was normal. I hope it still works for you. It's dead. You know, there's nothing going on in there, but I hope it still works okay. So that's in essence what a root canal is, is it's a dead tooth, a dead organ still in our head. And the problem with that is dead stuff attracts bugs. So when I talk about bugs, it's like bacteria, viruses, fungus, parasites. It attracts all of the above. I always joke, if you have a pile of garbage on the ground, how long before the flies find it? Literally, like an hour, right? You know, the same thing here. You know, how long before the bugs, the microbes find the dead stuff? Not very long. So what that does is it asks your immune system to have to fight it nonstop. So now this is a dead organ in your head that has bugs all around it. And the immune system has to constantly attack, constantly defend, constantly fight. So what we see show up are autoimmune diseases because the immune system's worn out. It's tired. It's overworked. It's confused. It never has a time. It never, it never gets a day off. It has to fight this day in and day out. And eventually the bugs win. They win the fight and they start to grow and invade the bone and destroy bone in the area. Here's the problem. The nerve is gone in the tooth. So now your early warning system is gone. You don't even know this is happening. Right. But every time you chew, you are literally stepping on that accumulation, that pile of bugs and spreading it through the whole bloodstream. So that infection is going everywhere with every bite. But you don't even know it's there. How often do I find these? about 15 a day <laughs> so and some of these are so huge like literally there's a hole the size of my thumb into the sinus or into the floor of the nose or in the side of the jawbone and there is literally no symptom nobody knows other than symptom meaning like my jaw hurts, hurts yeah versus symptom meaning i don't feel good i'm not sleeping i feel lousy i got three autoimmune diseases i have dizziness you know they have symptoms but they don't have symptoms that they would equate to their tooth as the problem. So we go in, we remove these teeth. The only way to fix this, unfortunately, someday maybe there'll be a better answer. But for the moment, we have to take the tooth out. Because remember, the tooth is the dead stuff. Yeah. That's full of dead stuff and full of bugs. We got to take it out of there. Thank goodness we can replace it. There are zirconia dental implants that we can replace it with that have no metal. They're beautiful. They look just like a tooth. This tooth right here on me is a dental implant. Oh, wow. So it looks just like a tooth, functions like the tooth, smiles like a tooth. And we can replace it with something that's not going to continually infect you with every bite. So that's a big deal because there are millions and millions of root canals performed all over the world that every single year. Huge. That is huge. And what's the comparative cost to a zirconia replacement versus a root canal? It's a great question. You know, worldwide, I don't know costs, but I would say it's probably by the time you're done, maybe a third more to do the dental implant versus the root canal. Because the root canal, you're going to do a root canal and a crown. With the dental implant, you're going to remove a tooth, a dental implant, and a crown. 
So yeah. you've got a third procedure that you're going to do. However, I think it's going to save you. And I tell people this all the time because typically I'm going to find that root canal failed down the road somewhere. It's going to have impacted your health between yeah. now and then. But then you're going to do the root canal, the crown. Then you're going to take the tooth out, the implant, and the crown. So you're going to do five things instead of three things. Not only that, they're also going to pay for the expense that they're going to have on their health as well. The sick days, how they feel, their yep. life quality, you know, those hidden expenses that we're not even accounting for. And you don't have to replace these teeth. I tell people all the time, baseline is get the infection gone. Get the tooth out of your head. If you choose not to replace it, then that's a real big expense saved. <laughs> You know? yeah. Sometimes these are the very back teeth. They're teeth that we know were filled when you were seven years old. They were refilled when you were 14. Then they broke when you were 21. And then they got a crown and a root canal when you were 28. I mean, typically these are the teeth that have had the history, you know? Yeah. And now I'm seeing them at 35 and you got a big old hole in your jawbone and you've been sick for 10 years. And I'm saying, let's get that out of there. And you're like, you know what? I don't even care to replace it. I'm fine without it. Great. Let's get it gone. Let's get you better. So you don't even have to replace them necessarily. Now, if it's your front tooth, you probably want to. Makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and there's a documentary actually that was uh, released. It's been a few years now, but it's called The Root Cause. Is that what it's called? I believe that's what it's called. Anyway. If not, it's a good name. Yeah, exactly right. It was removed from all networks within about a month's time. Ah, no way. Interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Well, you take your own conclusions from that one. So you now have to go and find it elsewhere because it's not on Netflix. It's not on anywhere that it was to begin with. It was taken off about a month after it was released. And in that story, it talks about a gentleman who had his front tooth hit in an accident. He ended up with a root canal. And the long story and all of the things he did to try to get better. And at the end of the day, it was his tooth that was the problem. Wow. And he spent years of his life trying to find the answer before he figured out what it was. I'm going to ask a kind of naive question, maybe because I'm not in your industry whatsoever. Is there like an enormous like governing body of every single dental industry that there is that is kind of keeping people from this knowledge? And why is it that you're now able to be so vocal about this and not have your license taken away? This is a sharp segue, but I'm curious. No, it's a great question. So there is something called the American Dental Association, and there are other equally, you know, kind of governmental agencies in, in other countries as well that are the same. And those agencies are there for the dentist, they're for the profession. And they're, they're intended, you know, to help the profession, to help dentists and to give them resources and all those kinds of things, guidelines. And so they will approve procedures, they'll approve materials. You can say that you can get like the ADA seal of approval on the toothpaste, you know, whatever. They're not for the public. Remember that. These organizations are not, they're not, that's not their customer. Gotcha. The customer is the dentist. The customer isn't you. So they are going to work for the profession, for the dentists. And in the United States especially, they will never come out and say that mercury fillings are dangerous to health. Why? Because other European countries have. There's actually quite a few European countries who have banned it in their country. The United States has not, and I don't believe they ever will. Because we are a very litigious society, meaning if the American Dental Association said this, that mercury fillings cause XXX, whatever it might be, now every dentist who's ever placed or removed a mercury filling in the United States will be under class action lawsuit. Uh, so remember who the customer of the American Dental Association is, the dentist. Now we see the problem. They're protecting yeah. us. They're protecting the profession. They're not protecting the public. That's not their job. So you have to just think who's their customer. So who's protecting you? Who's protecting you? Actually, not very many people. <laughs> no, and it, and it makes sense Nobody. now, right? Like realistically, as you mentioned, it's like, well, 
why would they allow this? Because when you said, I don't think it's ever going to change, it's like, well, it's, you know, it's fair, but it's a bit of a pessimistic outlook, but I kind of get why it never will, is unless they can remove this thing where no dentist who has ever put in a mercury filling will be liable for doing that. If they can do that, amazing. But by the sounds of it, it doesn't sound like that's ever going to be possible. Nope, I don't think it's ever going to be possible. So, I mean, there's an entire profession called endodontists, and these people, all they do all day long is root canals. Well, the profession's going to protect their own. You know what I mean? And again, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, not any of that kind of thing. I'm just a realist. It's just a reality. Yeah. They're there to protect the profession. And so they're doing a great job. <laughs> they're doing a great job. <laughs> they're doing their job well. Unfortunately, now, they're yeah. doing their job well. <laughs> for, for the profession. So how am I able to say these things now? Well, thankfully, there is research that proves what I have to say. Right. So if ever, anyone ever were to say, well, you can't say that that's not true, I can say, oh, yes, it is. Here are 15 research articles that back exactly what I just told you. So I'm very careful in what I say. Definitely. But know that if I say it, I have backing for what I'm saying. And there are some things that others say that I won't because I don't have scientific backing. So I will only tell you things that I can actually prove through science and through research because that's really kind of the, the monetary, you know, the exchange that everybody will appreciate. They're like, where's the science? Where's the yeah. research? I don't always agree with that necessarily, but I have to play their game. Yeah. Here's the science. Here's the research. Well, it covers your back, right? And, you know, for many people, it's going to make it a lot more plausible, reliable, etc. And like you said, not everything needs to be proved. Like, again, like we said with the mercury earlier, you don't have to show me science to tell me that if a metal is in a warm and a moist environment, that it's not going to cause issues or or corrode at some point. Like, you don't need to show me that. But at the same time, I get that point. Now, I can be like that sometimes, but yeah, I get why you back yourself with science and it protects you as well and i think it's yeah very very valuable too but let's transition back thank you for you know curing my curiosity there but transitioning back let me go to our granddad archetype who's super resistant to get his, his teeth touched and he's got this super super caring son or daughter can we talk about what we might do with him if he's had many root canals and crowns put on top of that and what we can do like is there any type of cilantro and chlorella yeah yeah, it's going to be anything antimicrobial. So, you know, you're going to look into your, you know, your herbal remedies, your homeopathic remedies, and you're going to say, what is antimicrobial? It's going to be things like garlic, like oregano. Those are all very antimicrobial. Turmeric is going to take care of inflammation. I'm all about food, and I'm all about food actually being medicine. Yep. So pay attention. What do these things do for you? Is it going to fix the fact that you have a dead organ in your jawbone? No. But hopefully it's going to strengthen your immune system to the point that it can have a better defense against it. So that's really the, the thing you need to focus on with this one is how do you strengthen your immune system? How do you build your adrenal strength? How do you, you know, all those things, so it's adaptogen, ashwagandha, rhodiola, mm. some of these herbs that are going to help build your adrenal reserves. All of those things are going to help build your defenses against the imminent ongoing attack of bugs, basically, in the jawbone. Obviously, ideally, just get the tooth out. Yeah. But if we can't, strengthen your immune system, give it the help it can get. And one caveat here, too, is the other hidden infection is actually where teeth have been removed and they haven't healed right. Well, how does that happen? It seems like this is like there's no win solution here. Well, there's a ligament surrounding every tooth. And if that's not intentionally removed when the tooth is removed, the bone doesn't heal properly. So you have to go to a dentist that intentionally removes that ligament 
Because if it doesn't, it creates another dead zone in the jawbone uh. that attracts all the bugs, the exact same way we were just talking about. So this is often wisdom tooth areas if they didn't heal right. So we find all of this on a cone beam CT scan. There's a special designed dental CT scan. We can see all of this. We can see what does the bone look like? Has it healed or not? Are there infections underneath these root canals? That's really the gold standard. And it's not that expensive. You know, it's a couple hundred dollars, but it is worth every dollar of that couple hundred dollars, For honestly, sure. because it's going to give you the overall look to what's going on. Perfect. Definitely noted. And transitioning on to the airway piece now, which again, not something that I would have expected us to talk about prior to doing a little bit of research on yourself, but go into that for me. Actually, the first time I heard something along this lines was you probably heard of James Nestor. He's a bit of a specialist on breathing. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I've exactly. Got right there. Yeah, there we go. Exactly. <laughs> and he was speaking about like, how is it possible that all of a sudden, like, our mouths are too small for our teeth. And he was just like, it just doesn't make sense. And obviously he goes into his piece on that. So can you open our minds as to why breathing and dental hygiene are actually, well, our teeth full stop is linked to our breathing as well? Yeah. So we need to understand, first of all, what is the airway? You know, James Nestor is talking about growth and development of the face, you know, and so he plugged his nose, he covered his nose, you know, and then all of a sudden everything, all of his markers just, you know, taint because him not breathing through his nose changed the whole way that his body was functioning. Mm -hmm. All sorts of things. Well, I won't go where James Nestor did, but he talks a lot about growth and development and the hypotheses about why all of a sudden mouths aren't big enough for wisdom teeth. Why all of a sudden mouths aren't big enough for our tongues to fit anymore. Why all, we all have crooked teeth. Why everybody's mm -hmm. needing braces? You know, why so many people snore or sleep issues and all of these problems? Really, it comes down to space. It comes down to how much room is here. And the tube you breathe through is literally, it's a tube but it's a collapsible tube. So if you have too little space in your mouth for your tongue, for the tissues at the roof of the mouth, the uvula, all those things back there, if there's not enough space for them to live in, well, they have to squish into their neighbor's backyard. Uh. They have to get back into that airway some. And then your body does all sorts of accommodations. It does things like it squeezes your teeth together. You clench, you squeeze at night, why? because it flattens the tongue and allows more air to go by. You bring your bottom jaw forward. People have worn out teeth right here in the front. And they're like, well, why are these worn out? I don't chew like that. It's because you're bringing your bottom jaw forward because it opens up the space back here. There's all sorts of things. Or you just don't sleep. You wake up a lot. You toss and turn. You can't go to sleep at night. All of these are signs that you don't have enough room back here for air to get through. So what do you do about it? The first thing you do is you look for a hidden infection <laughs> because if you have a hidden infected tooth or areas where wisdom teeth were removed, it will cause swelling in all of those tissues. And all of a sudden, if the space was okay beforehand, it's this not okay now is, no, it's because it's all <laughs> pushing back. It's swollen into the area so you can't breathe. So we have to look for hidden infections. Second thing is we make your mouth bigger. How do we do that? We actually expand. We move teeth out and make more room for the tongue to fit. Sometimes we have to retrain the tongue to go forward. A lot of people have tongue ties nowadays that nobody even talked about this years ago, but the tongue isn't going up and forward like it should. There's a whole slew of things that have nothing to do with wearing a CPAP. Most people think that that's the only thing they can do when they have sleep issues is strap a mask on their face uh. and sleep with this thing on their face all night long. I joke and I say, you know, you pick who you marry. Did you really want to pick that person? Because you're sleeping with it every night. 
<laughs> You're married to that machine now. Did you pick it? You probably kind of should have picked a little wiser than that. We don't do anything with the CPAP. We actually just make more room for you to be able to get the air, whether it's nose room, whether it's back here in the back of the mouth room. Again, the gold standard is that cone beam CT scan. I can see. What does that tube look like? What's pushing its way into that tube? What might be swelling things? Is the nose, is it deviated because the jaw's too small? So many things. I mean, I could spend an hour and a half just talking about this alone. But really, if you're not sleeping well, if you're waking up, if you're tossing and turning, if you wake up tired, even though you felt like you slept, most likely you are just not getting enough air at nighttime. Uh, and my dentist can have an answer for you. We can make more space so you can get more air. And would you say that almost... 100% of the time, maybe 100 is a bit out there, but maybe 99% of the time, a dentist who does the work that you do could fix that issue with those who have breathing issues or those who have sleep issues. Yeah. And I think that's something you specifically look for when you're researching the dentist. Say, uh -huh. do you treat sleep issues? Is this something that you're familiar with? And I work, like I said, really hard to try to vet, you know, dentists that are on my site for that exact thing. But those are the questions I would ask if I'm calling is do you specifically, what do you do for sleeping issues? And they should have some answers for it. Yeah, I hope so. And coming back to our granddad once again, what can we do to improve the quality of his sleep if he's not going to go to the dentist and get his airway sorted out? It might be a CPAP, <laughs> you know? And there's worse things. There's plenty of granddads that have CPAPs, honestly. <laughs> it's better than the alternative, which is no air and a heart attack. So it's better than that or no air in a stroke, you know, it's better than that. Uh -huh. So CPAP may be it, but it's also very much paying attention to anti-inflammatory things. So there are some things you can do even at home. There's some really inexpensive red light laser therapy tools. One looks a little bit like a flashlight. And this flashlight can be used on all these tissues here underneath the chin, as well as when you open your mouth and you say, ah, that tissue at the back of the throat. You can use that red light laser therapy on those tissues and it will decrease the size of those tissues. It'll decrease inflammation in those. So that may be very helpful. Sleeping on a little bit of an angle mm -hmm. always helps a little bit upright. You're just working with gravity rather than against gravity this way. So a little upright, sleeping on your side versus sleeping on your back. These are all things that will help. Mouth taping. I believe James Nestor talks about mouth taping. Yeah. It's kind of a big biohack thing nowadays it's actually fabulous mouth taping keeps the lips together forces you to breathe through the nose and people are like seriously i'm gonna tape my mouth together am i gonna die <laughs> it's not that kind of tape it's not like duct tape like you wrap four times around your head <laughs> it's it's not like the kidnappers duct tape you know it's like it's just a little piece of tape right here on your lips and what it does is it helps the muscles helps the musculature to keep the lips together why because the quality of air when you breathe through your nose is exponentially better than the quality of air if you breathe through your mouth. Mm -hmm. So do a little mouth taping, invert the bed, just a little, put a little wedge pillow behind your head, sleep on your side, and watch inflammation. So really hit turmeric and some of these natural anti-inflammatories to see if you can't calm the inflammation down in the system and get some better breathing. I love it. And nasal strips would help with that as well? Nasal strips do as well because they will help to open up up here. So yeah, the Breathe Right strips or nose cones. So there's something you can get these online as well. They're called a nose cone. And they're just kind of a plastic little insert that goes up the nose. So again, they hold open the nose. So yeah, so a nasal strip, some mouth taping. You'll look <laughs> super hot at night, but don't worry about that. <laughs> 
nobody's looking at night. It doesn't really matter. Uh, you know, so, <clears throat> so keep your mouth closed, open your nose, <sighs> sleep on your side. All of these things are going to help you to get better sleep for sure. But obviously, if you can, maybe go and see a dentist and that might be a better solution for you yep. being slightly more attractive when you're going to bed at night. But I digress. Exactly. <laughs> but, <laughs> so we have covered a lot and I've absolutely loved all this and I found it super insightful. And I want to spend the last 10 minutes or so focusing on maybe an optimal routine that people can do. Obviously, address those things. These are huge priorities for people. But now I want to think about once they do start to address those, or even if they don't choose to, or maybe they're not even too impacted by those, fingers crossed, what does an optimal routine of morning and night for our dental hygiene look like to you, Michelle? Yep, great question. So a couple of things. I think it's really important, first of all, to talk about what we should brush with. So first of all, soft bristle toothbrush, because anything harder than a soft bristle toothbrush should only be used to clean your toilet. Like that's the only use for a hard toothbrush <laughs> because it's going to be too abrasive on your teeth and it's going to damage them. So soft bristle brush. Interesting. None of the commercial toothpastes. So fluoride, we haven't even gone there, but fluoride is, there's a lot of problems with fluoride, least of which is it causes a lot of thyroid deficiency. It causes brittle bones and research has proven it actually lowers IQ in children. Interesting. So. Needless to say, I don't recommend fluoride for anyone. So what do we use instead? We use something called hydroxyapatite. What is that? That's what your teeth are made of. That's actually what the enamel is made of is something called hydroxyapatite. It's just a mineral complex. And thankfully, there are now new products that have hydroxyapatite in them. So I actually have a tooth powder of my own. That's a hydroxyapatite tooth powder. You can find it online, but you can find others as well. So I recommend anything with a hydroxyapatite in it, which is going to remineralize, build, strengthen your teeth, and even heal cavities if they're small. So yeah. it's incredible. Soft bristle toothbrush. Do you have to floss? I tell people no. Actually, I don't even care if you floss. But wow. I care that you clean between your teeth some way. Mm. So what can you use? You can use a water pick. You can use a toothpick. You can use, I mean, there are all sorts of little things you can do. If you have not had gum disease, and you have not had a cavity. You don't even need to do any of those. I know this is like super revolutionary, but if you don't have gum disease and you don't have a cavity, then you're taking care of your teeth. Your body's doing its job and you're taking care of it alone. All I'm going to have you do is maybe add some oil pulling. That's an old Indian Ayurvedic technique where you put a tablespoon of oil in your mouth, you swish it around, do it for about 15 minutes, then you spit it into a tissue and throw it away. Don't spit 15 it into minutes? your sink, you'll have a clogged sink. 15 minutes. I know that sounds like wow. an, an eternity. <laughs> so what you do is you do this while you're showering. You do this while you're doing the dishes. You do this while you're doing folding some laundry. You know, you, you do it while something else is happening. And it actually balances the bugs in your mouth. Gets rid of the bad ones, balances the good ones. So oil pulling is awesome. So take care of your gums that way. I love colloidal silver for a mouth rinse. People ask me about mouth rinses. Well, the problem with a lot of mouth rinses is they have a lot of alcohol. If you pay attention when you go to the doctor and let's say you're going to get your blood drawn, what do they use on your skin before you get that done? An alcohol, alcohol swab. It feels cold and then it dries it, right? Disinfects and dries. So a lot of mouth rinses have a lot of alcohol in them. They disinfect and then they dry. And if you have your tongue dry out, you're going to actually get more bacterial growth. So you'll end up with worse bad breath if you have a high alcohol content mouth rinse. It's going to feel like... You know, like, oh, man, that did something. Yeah, it burned. Yeah, yeah it burns your alcohol. mouth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's called alcohol. That does it. But it's going to kill all the good bugs in your mouth and in your gut. 
and it's going to dry everything out like crazy. So no alcohol, get rid of that. I highly recommend colloidal silver, which is basically a silver particle that's suspended in water and it's antimicrobial, but it doesn't stick around. It doesn't lodge in your tissues or stay around. It pretty much exits after it does its business. That colloidal silver is broad spectrum antimicrobial, meaning I don't even need to know if you have like a fungal infection in your mouth or bacterial or I don't care what it is. It's going to kill it all. So I have a rinse that I've formulated with this, but you're going to find others on the market as well that have a colloidal silver. You're going to rinse it around, swish it around, get it all in the gums. Like this is not just for breath. This is for gum health. This uh-huh. is for gut health. This is for all the above. Swish it around for a good 60 seconds. Get it everywhere. Then spit it out. That should also freshen the breath naturally. It's nice if you can find one that has like a mint or something with it because then you get that minty freshness. But really, that's it. And if you do a thorough job of this, it should take about seven minutes. That's not including the 15-minute oil pulling if you want to do that. And I only do that like once a week, twice a week maybe. Okay. About seven minutes. You honestly only need to do that once a day. I don't. I do it twice a day. But you honestly only need to do it once a day if you do it right. So that's how you keep your teeth clean if you are getting tooth decay and you do this. What that tells us is you have a gut absorption problem. Your body's actually stealing minerals from your teeth to feed the rest of you because your gut is not acting, it's not doing its job in absorbing nutrients. So you need to go look into your gut health and figure that out. So cavities, if you keep your teeth clean, those are gut. That's a gut problem. It's not a tooth cleaning problem like every other dentist has ever told you your entire life. Yeah, it's fascinating. And also, what about the tongue scraping? That seems to be something that's quite popular recently. Is that another one that we do? Yes, because the tongue is like a shag carpet. There's all these little grooves and things and places that things get caught. For years, I had something called geographic tongue. And a lot of people actually struggle with geographic tongue. What it is, is you get kind of these patches on your tongue and they're sore and you can't eat like pineapple and tomatoes. It hurts really bad. As soon as I started tongue scraping, that went away entirely. So anybody that has geographic tongue, I 100% recommend tongue scraping. And what I find is I think geographic tongue is largely fungal based. And I think, this is my hypothesis, I think that if you get chronic sinus infections, this also is most likely fungal. If you start scraping your tongue and rinsing with colloidal silver, a lot of times all those fungal issues go away, including sinus issues. Yep, so tongue scraping is absolutely part of my routine. So what do I do? I brush really thoroughly. I spend at least two minutes brushing. You're going to brush every surface, clean every surface. I love an electric toothbrush. That to me just makes it so even if you're lazy, you're going to be able to clean your teeth. (laughs) You don't need to do the work. So in fact, sometimes if I'm on vacation and I don't have my electric toothbrush, I'm like, gosh, this is a lot of work to like brush teeth. (laughs) So get an electric toothbrush. It's really like there's such cheap ones. There's such an expensive ones these days. Get an electric toothbrush, brush your teeth, spend two minutes or more. They have all those timers on them. Just keep pushing the button, keep cleaning. Then you're going to scrape your tongue. Then you're going to do your mouth rinse. Then you go to bed. So that's your routine. I never thought I'd have so much fun talking about dental hygiene, Michelle. So thank you for this conversation. It's honestly been super, super fascinating. If we had another hour, I'd probably go on with more questions. But I think we've given (laughs) the listeners a ton of information to take away today. And I want to wrap up with a final couple of questions. And the first one I want to ask you is, what impact do you want to have on the world for the work that you do? You know, my whole mission now is to live well, to help people live well. So actually, I was just telling you offline beforehand, I am right in the middle of a book proposal to a publisher Mm. called What is Medicine? And what is medicine is all about basically taking back our own medicine, because in the world today, we've really outsourced that. We've given that medicine to professionals, to pharmacists, to 
whomever it is. And we've kind of forgotten that we have a lot of control over this. So this is the whole garlic, you know, garlic is antimicrobial. You know, how do you add things back? What is medicine? So watch for that because that is really one of the biggest impacts that I want to have is helping empower people to take their health care back. We've really given it away. Mm-hmm. And in giving it away, we've lost a lot of trust. We've lost, you know, there's a lot of mistrust out there. There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of frustration because we just can't find the answers. Well, I want to empower you to actually be able to have the answers on your own without having to go and seek 15 different doctors to find them. So that's really what I want to show you is that you have the ability to do this. And a lot of these answers are very simple. It's just understanding some baseline things. So watch for that. What is medicine coming 2025? 2025. <laughs> like forever. <laughs> It'll be here before we know it. And in the meantime, if you want to keep up with the work that you're doing, where can they head to? Yeah. So living well with Dr. Michelle. Yes, it rhymes. I think that's good because you'll hopefully remember it that <laughs> <Yeah>. way. <laughs> and so look for that online, livingwellwithdrmichelle.com. That's where you're going to find a whole bunch of free resources on everything I've described to you, including gut health. Like we just barely touched on gut health. I have a whole, whole bunch of information on gut health on there, including a test you can do at home. Again, I try to give you your health back. So a test you can do at home, very simply, go check all the free stuff out on there. If you're in the US and some European and other international countries, you can check out the tooth powder, the mouth rinse, they're all on there as well. And I'm also on social media. So on Instagram, on Facebook, on TikTok, on YouTube, wherever I can get the word out, you're going to find me. Amazing. I'll make sure as much of it as possible is in the show notes below and some of the stuff that we spoke about earlier as well. But Michelle, thank you so much for your time today. It's been truly a fascinating conversation. Thank you. Appreciate you. And that was the Simply Fit Podcast. I hope you gained a huge amount of value from today's episode. I feel inspired to improve your health and well-being. Be sure to search for Simply Fit in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcast from. And go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Also, if you like the episode, please don't forget to give it a five-star rating. I'd love to hear your feedback or any questions you have. So reach out to me on social media. You'll find me on Facebook and Instagram at Elliot Hassoun. Thank you so much for listening. And I look forward to talking with you all on the next one.